0: Welcome to Hope City Church, Melbourne, Australia. Stay tuned for another inspiring message by Pastor Andrew McGrath. Have you got Joshua nine one? Yeah. Okay. And it came to pass when all the kings were on this side of the Jordan in the hills in the lowland, and all the coast of the great sea towards Lebanon, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, and the anyway, all theseites gathered together to fight with Joshua and Israel. And let me tell you, a full frontal attack is easy to pick. When the enemy comes after you, it's rarely a full frontal attack that you get demons in your room or the enemy coming with horns. He doesn't do that. He loves to attack us from ways where we don't recognize it's him. And so we see in verse 3 that the Gibeonites, who are a picture of the enemy and deception, when they heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, that they worked craftly, deceivingly, and they went and they pretended to be ambassadors, and they took old sacks on their donkeys, old wine skins, torn and mended, old and patched sandals on their feet, and old garments and As I read this, I thought that the Lord was saying that the enemy does three things: He offers us stale bread, cracked wine skins, and he offers us worn out clothes, and those three things represent if you're taking notes. The stale bread is he wants to defeat us. He wants to steal our strength. The cracked wineskin represents he wants to depress us and steal our joy. And the worn out clothes is he wants to decrease us and steal our inheritance. Did you hear that? Yeah. Yeah. He wants to defeat us, steal our strength. He wants to depress us and steal our joy. He wants to decrease us and steal our inheritance. That's what the enemy is going to try and offer you. And this is a great battle that we face. If we're going to be people that are enlarged and growing and possess all that God has for us, we're going to have to learn how to keep our soul free from deception and how to recognize what is true concerning our life. Did you hear that? If you're going to grow and prosper and increase in the kingdom, you must recognize what in your life is deception and what is truth it's interesting that just as a side note when god came to jacob and he wanted to bless him and prosper him and multiply him he said to jacob when you bring all the flocks to the water trough i want you to put three types of trees before the water trough for those who remember the story, they were the poplar tree, the almond, and the plane tree. And they all represent something very significant if you're going to press through against the enemy. For the poplar tree, the root word of poplar is the root word, it actually means Laban. And Laban was a deceiver. So there's one tree that you recognize deception There's on the other side is the plane tree and the plane tree is renowned for the bark peeling or an unveiling. It's a picture of revelation. That plane tree, there's actually one in it that's living right now that's over 2,000 years old. So it's a picture of us that there's revelation since the cross and, and Jesus' resurrection that is perpetually growing and moving. It's available to all of the church. So we have revelation, we have a picture of deception, and in the middle we have the almond tree And the almond tree is the first tree that gives fruit in Israel. It's a picture of coming into a new season. But it's also a picture of declaring the word of the Lord. Remember Jeremiah 1? What do you see, Jeremiah? And he sees an almond tree. And God begins to speak to him about the word that will come out of his mouth. That tells me, my friend that if we're going to be multiplying in our life, we need to have a revelation of the deception that the enemy trying to bring to us, but also a revelation of the season that God's trying to bring us into. So I thought, just on this topic of, of deception before we move in, that we, it's so important to understand what the enemy's doing. You know, I talked about Jacob and he's a picture also of deception because he was a deceiver. And his father's name was... Isaac, and he is a picture of, of the son. And isn't it interesting that when Jacob, who is all, uh, at, his, at the start of his life he was a deceiver, that he wanted the inheritance of the son. And he couldn't get it because he didn't qualify. So what does he do? His mother covers him in a in clothing, in hairy skin, to deceive the son. He wanted the blessing, but he didn't qualify. So it tells me that the deceiver uses physical evidence that seems to validate his lie. Are you getting this? The enemy will use physical evidence around you that validates what he's saying to you. He says, nobody loves you. And so you walk down the street and someone doesn't look at you the right way. And you take that physical evidence as a validation of what the enemy saying to you. But it's still a lie. Yeah. Are you getting this? Yeah. He uses physical evidence yeah. around you to validate the lie. But it's deception. Yeah. Because Isaac couldn't see this, this deception. He couldn't see the truth. He was vulnerable to deception. Isaac was going blind when Jacob came to him. And if we can't see in the spirit what the enemy's doing, we will be vulnerable to deception in our life. God give us eyes that see through the deception. I'm telling you that, that the enemy will come to you and he will whisper in your, your ear. He will try and change the way you think about people, about life, about your future, your past. And it's a lie. Can I say it any stronger? It's a lie. Do not be deceived. Do not hold on to things that don't belong in your life. I don't care what the surroundings are saying. It doesn't matter how you dress up, Jacob. It's a lie. It's not true. So Jacob came up close and Isaac felt him. He said, the voice of Isaac but the hands of Esau. And he didn't recognize Jacob because his hands were hairy like Esau. I want you to know today you will be deceived if you do not know the truth you will be deceived. Some people have bought the lie that God doesn't want you happy. That that sorrow and misery is just a fact of life. It's not true. Now I know that we have seasons of pain, but it shouldn't be the definition of our life. Jesus was acquainted with all the sorrow. He, he, He mixed with people that had so much pain in their life, but he still managed to be called the one Who was anointed with oil, the oil of joy, more than anyone else that ever walked the planet. We get deceived. We're deceived to think that we'll never have any money, that walls be broke, that somehow we please God by being poor. It's a lie. It's a lie. It's dressed up. It looks churchy. It looks religious, but it's a lie. It's a lie to say that I'll never change, that a leopard never changes its spots, that once, once this way, always this way. Once negative, always negative. It's a lie. It's not true, church. You'll be deceived if you don't know the truth. It may not be what you want to hear. It may pain you. But we need the truth to get deep inside us. All these strongholds that we justify and defend and validate. See, if you have a stronghold in your life and you validate and defend it, Everything around you will seem to validate that stronghold. But it's a lie. It needs to come down. It needs to be exposed to the truth today. And you'll be deceived not just because you don't know the truth, but you'll be deceived if you don't have a revelation of the truth. You can say, I believe the word, and I've done this. But you only know you believe the word when the pressure comes on. Say, I believe in tithing when the money's coming in. But what about when the money's going out, not coming in? What about I believe in in love and and compassion when everyone's kind to me, but when someone offends me, that's when the rubber hits the road. I believe that God's a good God, and he's always good until something tragic happens in my life. And there and then I am challenged to believe or understand, do I truly believe what I say I believe? Because if you don't, you'll be deceived. The enemy will come in at that moment, and he will rob you because you're vulnerable. Don't be deceived. Isaac was vulnerable to deception because his eyes were dim. And if you can't see, you'll be forced to feel. Isaac's feeling. Oh, is that you? Is that you? Is that you? Is that you, Esau? Because you can't see. So he's left to grope in the dark, to feel. He's relying on the wrong senses. He was a blind man using his physical senses to determine truth and what he felt lied to him. I want to tell you today that lots of things that you feel aren't true. Just because you feel it doesn't mean it's true. I don't feel loved. I don't feel happy. I don't feel rich. I don't feel saved. If only he had eyes to see. You know what? If he had eyes that were sharp, it didn't matter how Jacob dressed, didn't matter what aftershave he he had, he would have eyes to see, you are not who you say you are. You are not, you are Jacob, you are not Esau. I can see through that. But see, he was done. He's blind. He he couldn't see. That's what the enemy wants. He wants us to operate blinded, going by our feelings, going by our senses. But God wants us to be exposed to the truth, have our eyes open. I am amazed how many Christians are blind, that they're allowing the media, they're allowing the world, they're allowing popular opinion to conform the way they see and think and choose. We are of the Spirit. Our our truth is founded on the Word of God that is unchanging. Unchanging. Are you hearing this, church? Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. If you hang around people, if you allow stuff to get inside you that has a carnal reasoning attached to it, you will be corrupted and deceived. And the Bible warns us that in the last days, many people will be deceived because they will go to people that, that, that teach them things that appease their heart because the word of God is like a hammer. It's like a knife. It cuts through. And people don't want that sometimes. Don't be deceived. God warned us in the last days, many will be offended. Many will be deceived. Many will have their eyes closed. So this is what's happening to Joshua. The enemy's coming and he's deceiving them. A great man of God who who was up on the mountain with Moses, who saw the sea parted. The, the river parted. seen many miracles. Don't think you are too strong, too wise, too old in the faith to be deceived. Stay on guard. Embrace the truth. We cannot afford a day without hearing from the voice of God. Verse 9. So they said to him, We have come from a very far country. Your servants... Sorry, from a far country your servants have come. Because we... Because of the name of the Lord your God, for we have heard of his fame and all that the Lord did in Egypt. And I've told you before, they didn't come because of what God did in Egypt. They came because of what God had done in Jericho and Ai. And that's what the enemy wants you to think. He wants you to think that you are so far away from your breakthrough. He's a deceiver. We have come because of what God did in Egypt. No you have come because I am so close to my breakthrough. And he is at you today to deceive you because he's scared of what God's about to do in your world. I was reading this week in, in Matthew chapter 8, I think. It is where Peter's mother-in-law is sick and she's lying in bed. She has a fever and the Lord touches her and he raises her up so she could minister to him because her breakthrough is about to come. And many in the church are lying down. With a fever, they, they, they have checked out, they've been deceived, and God's saying to the church, don't check out. I have called you for a ministry right now. Get up, begin to worship me, minister unto me, because a breakthrough's about to come. Yeah. Are you hearing this? And the enemy wants you to think you are so far away. There's so many things that you need to get right. You sow this, you sow that. My friend, God's about to do a great work in your life. Do not give up. The enemy's never going to say to you, Oh, well done, you're so close to your breakthrough. He'll say you're so far away. That's never going to happen. Downsize your dream, downsize your options. He's a liar. Have I told you that lately? He's a liar. He's a liar. His pants are on fire. Soon for eternity. He's a liar. 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 He's a deceiver. He's a liar. He's a liar. He's a liar. Why am I doing this? Because constantly he is bombarding your mind, trying to set up strongholds, deception, strongholds, so he can operate through your life. He wants to take you out. And I have got one quest. I continually pray, God, do not let me be deceived. I have seen firsthand the power of deception. It is, it is, it is beyond, my, beyond my belief to see what can happen in a man or a woman that is deceived. That thinks they're serving God, but doing exactly the opposite. So God don't let us be deceived. Search my heart. Keep me, keep me, Lord. Verse 14. So the men of Israel took some of the provisions... I don't want to get my fill on second-rate living. Does anyone else want that? But they didn't ask of the Lord. So Joshua made peace with them and a covenant with them, and he let them live. And the rulers of the congregation swore to them, verse 16, and it happened at the end of three days, after they made a covenant with them, that they heard that they were their neighbors who dwelt near them. And I wrote here that we have to view every word, Every offer from the enemy through the reality of the new creation believer. Three days, if they had have waited three days, they would have discovered the truth. So every thought, every word... Every offer from the enemy, every thought that comes into mind, my mind, I need to assess it according to the new creation believer. Lord, is this what you say about me? Is this how you want me to think, feel, and choose? When I look at your word as the new covenant believer, as a child of God with the inheritance of all of heaven, is this how you want me to live? Are you asking those questions when the enemy comes and says, this this is all you ever have? You'll never have this. You'll never have that. Are you assessing these thoughts? Are you waiting for three days? In other words, are you viewing, are you filtering every thought through the new covenant reality? Is this what Jesus died for? Is my life, is what I've accepted, is this what caused the Son of God to die upon a cross? Would this send him from heaven to earth for me to live this way, to think this way, feel this way, choose this way? Is this what Jesus died for? And I say, no. I say no to the enemy. This is not what he died for. But sometimes you've got to speak to the devil like that. Sometimes, what, this is what Joshua didn't do. He asked the question originally, where are you from? But he didn't wait. He didn't wait to hear God. He didn't wait to get perspective. He didn't see through the lies. And so often we're letting voices come in and instead of questioning them, we just let them play their merry dance instead of saying, get behind me, Satan. I don't choose to believe that. It is a war inside your head, my friend. And that's where the battles won and lost. The thoughts that you received, what you let come into your heart. And I feel like today I am wrestling on behalf of people, whether they're here or listening later on, I am wrestling on behalf of people where you don't realize how close you are to your breakthrough and how close you could be to your breakdown because of deception. Don't play with the enemy, cast him out. Cast him out. Cast him out. So they embraced the bread, the wine, and the garments. And as I began to write this message, I felt God beginning to steer me towards certain thoughts. So I'm just going to go with what He said, okay? Yep. The bread, the enemy wants to defeat us and steal our strength. The wineskin, He wants to depress us, steal our joy. The worn out clothes, He wants to decrease us and steal our inheritance. I say, no, no, no. Don't you? No, no, no. No, no, no. Stale bread. I thought about that weakness and not strength. He wants to deceive you into you thinking that you are truly a weak person. I'm saying to you that you are strong. You are strong. You are stronger than you think, my man. You are stronger than you think. You're not weak. Did you hear me? You are not weak. You are strong. I don't know if you believe it. You're not weak. You are strong. He's a liar. He's told you you're weak, but you're not. You're strong. You're much stronger than you think. He's told you you're weak, but you're strong. Much stronger than you ever think. You're gigantic. As I read through the scripture, the enemy's always doing this. He's trying to weaken people. Trying to cause us to be weak. Think about Joseph. If you've got time, turn now to Psalm 105, verse 17. God sent a man before Israel called Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They put his feet with fetters and they laid him in irons until the time his word had come to pass. The enemy is trying to weaken him. He depress him, minimize this great man. He's sent by God. In, in front of a nation to save them. But the enemy trying to minimize him and weaken him. But God's got a plan. And even when you feel weak, my friend, God's got a plan. And what the enemy means for evil, God's going to turn for good. Because out of your weakness, you're going to be turned to be made strong. This prison looked like the enemy had the upper hand, but God was positioning him. He was increasing his spiritual capacity in this prison. And he became so big in the prison that if the king didn't call him out, he would have burst it out. Bust out. Anyway, he would have exploded because he was becoming so, so big and strong. So you've got to be ready, church. God's making you strong because there's a big dream he's put inside you. And because of that dream, you're going to have to fight the battle that's equivalent to the size of the dream. It's going to make you strong. God had given Joshua, sorry, Joseph, such great dreams. So he had to strengthen him in that place. The enemy was trying to minimize him and weaken him and deceive him. And speaking to his mind, imagine being in prison for 13 years. The lies and the accusations and the minimizing that would have taunted this man. But the, instead of becoming weaker and weaker, he became stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. And I'm here to say to you, no matter what the enemy throws at you, God has a plan to make you stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. And stronger. And stronger. The mustard seed is the smallest seed, but when it's planted in the ground, the Bible says it becomes the biggest plant in all the garden. That's you. You might start out small, but God has a plan to multiply you and increase your life. Yes, amen. Somebody should be excited. Somebody should be saying amen. That's me. That's me. And as we're faithful in this testing, God's increasing our strength and our capacity. See, this is the whole thing that in the midst of a trial, as a side note, God is using that trial to get rid of the spirit of an orphan that's inside you. That we want to say, God, why have you abandoned me? Where are you, God? I thought you told me that I would rule and reign and the stars would bow down. I thought I was called to be a king. You show me all these dreams. And here it is, 13 years later, what have you done with me? God was drawing out this orphan spirit and causing him to be strong. Causing him to see, you know what, Lord, this word. See, the attack over your life is not about you. It's about the word that God's put inside you. The enemy hates that word because it spells his demise. It's not personal. The enemy's after the word in you. But God's using that word to propel you into your destiny. So when God sends you, then somebody in power will send for you. Are you hearing me? And this is what took place. God is increasing your strength. There will be, here's a word from the Lord, there will be a place for you to prosper, says the Lord. Did you hear that? There shall be a place for you to prosper. And what is inside you is creating space around you. As you grow in strength, that is causing a space to be created for you to live in. Amen. What happened in jo- jo- uh, Joseph, created a space in Egypt for all the family to come and settle. What God is doing in you is forcing everything around to make room for you. Yeah, yeah. you got to understand, if you get strong in here, what is out there has to bow down. Remember the dream? They will bow down before you. Why? Because if you don't bow down inside your circumstances, will eventually bow down to you. What is in here as it gets strong will cause everything around you to bow down. Are you hearing me? That's why the Bible says you are not to bow down to false idols. Why? Because God's created you to be so strong within you that the idols will bow down to you. You are not to bow down because you are strong. I hear it. So I will not bow down to lies that says I will not break through. I will not prosper. I will not have this. My children will not go ahead. I refuse to bow down. God's making me strong. Strong. Is he making you strong today? Would you like a bit of strength? Put your hands out. Have a double portion. Let the weak say I'm strong. Be strong in the Lord in the power of his might. Receive the supernatural strength of the Holy Ghost that causes us to run and not grow weary and walk and not faint. Receive the supernatural power of the Holy Ghost that causes you to be so strong that the enemy shall be frustrated. You are strong in him, says the Lord. Amen. 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 Put your hands down. Give him a hand. Woo-hoo. People will have to make room for you whether they like it or not because you've become so strong. Be strong is a commandment. Be strong in the Lord. See, God's not giving you an option today. all All the weak people in the church, you sit on the left. We'll just cope with you. And all the strong people over here, thank you for being strong. Now he's saying to all the church, here we go. Want to be part of the church, part of the kingdom? Be strong in the Lord. How many people are strong? Be strong. It's a commandment. Who is this king of glory? The Lord, uh, weak and timid in battle. It says the Lord, strong and mighty. Not weak and feeble. This is the Lord who goes into battle. He is strong and mighty. And we are called to imitate him. You know, the enemy has been pushing so hard on some of you people. And I'm not minimizing. I know what it's like. I wake up some days and it feels like... I feel like Joseph, and obviously it's a whole different story, but it says his soul was, was, was actually twined in the iron. He, he, it was so compelling and pushing on him. And you felt like days you wake up and you've got this dream to do great things for God, but you feel like you've been crushed. Has anyone ever felt that? Yeah. But you feel like there's this wall going on inside. But the Lord says, You're strong and you're mighty. You're strong. Strong, having an ability to bear and endure. Firm, solid, able to sustain attacks, not easily defeated or taken. I want to be like that. I've had a few attacks in my life. Some I've done well at, some not so well. But I want to be known as a man who has not shrinked back in the day of battle. He keeps pulling his head back up. No matter what the enemy says or does, no matter what happens, what season we're in, remains strong and resolute. Yeah. Give me men and women that are strong in the Lord. They've gone through seasons, but they don't stay in the valley. They are so yeah. strong in him. Yeah. I want a strong church. Yeah. I want, my prayer is, God, cultivate strength in our church and our people. I see that when I look in your faces as I preach. I see strength. Yeah. I see joy. I see some of you wanting to burst. I have you. some of you come afterwards and say, I felt like running around. I said, well, why didn't you? (laughs) To be weak. So that's strong. To be weak is to be soft and to give way. Not being able to bear any weight. Easily broken. Not able to resist violent attack. I don't want to be weak. How about you? He's weak. I don't want to be weak. Hebrews 11, it says... And from weakness were made strong. They became mighty in battle. These amazing men and women who've gone before us, who went through horrendous things, but God supernaturally empowered them and made them strong. There is available to you strength. That's not your strength. It is the strength of the Lord. And as you access that each day, you will defy all the attacks of the enemy. We have proof From history that God takes ordinary men and women, you see their past... Like Peter, they failed, they were deceived, they fell, they betrayed, they denied. But the strength of the Holy Ghost came upon them and they were willing to offer up their bodies as a sacrifice to the Lord. Over and over again, we see out of weakness were made strong because they tapped into a supernatural power of the Holy Ghost. I'm here today not because of my own strength or my own determination. I would have given up years ago, but it's because I have access by the grace of God, supernatural strength that says, I will not quit. And the war with the enemy is whoever blinks first loses. And I tell you what, you can outlast the devil. Why? Because the Bible says that we have the fruit of the spirit. And one of the fruits of the spirit is long-suffering, and the devil hasn't got the fruit of the Spirit. You will outlast him because you are strong in the Lord, and he's not. Joel 3.10 says, when you feel weak, let the weak say, I am strong. You need to know when it comes to your life, what's concerning your life, your words are more powerful than God's. Heresy, they said. But it's true. When it comes to your life, what you say is more important than what God says. Because he says you're strong. But if you say you're weak, you'll remain weak. I know you all looked at me with horror when I said that, but it's true. God's been speaking about you since the day you were born and before. But the reality is if you don't agree, Amos 3.3, 3, let, let, there has to be two in agreement. The words have to be established on earth and in heaven, God's already spoken. His words have already been settled in heaven. The issue is, are they settled in your heart and your mouth? So the words that come out of your mouth are more important than what God comes out of God's mouth when it's concerning you. Of course, we need to speak his words. But it's only when I agree that heaven is activated in my life. So let the weak say, I am strong. I am strong in the Lord. I am strong. I am strong. I am strong. Galatians 6.9 says, you are commanded not to grow weary. Now, here's a challenge. If you're weary, you are either one of two things. You ready? Deceived or disobedient. I knew you'd enjoy that one and clap and say, but it's the truth. The Bible says, do not grow weary in doing good. Isaiah 40 verse 31 says, He gives strength to the weary. Those that wait on the Lord, they shall renew their strength. Well, that's a bit harsh, Andrew. You haven't seen what I've been through. I'm only using the word. So if, you've got a, if you can unpack pack this, pick it apart with the word, go ahead. But the Bible says, Do not grow weary. Those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Have I been weary? Absolutely. Have I felt weak? Absolutely. Have I spent a day in misery? Absolutely. But the truth says, do not grow weary. Why would God say that if it was impossible? He said that because he said, if we wait upon the Lord, our strength will be renewed. He said to Joshua three times in Joshua 1, 6-9, be strong, Joshua. And he gave him the key. The key is... That as you wait on the Lord, as you meditate on the Lord, day and night, I'm going to make you strong and courageous. As you speak out my word in your mouth, you will access supernatural strength. And we are in a day, church, myself included, where we cannot survive and prosper without the word of the Lord being in our mouth. It, is, it just won't cut it. If you come to church and you hear a word and you clap, Thank you for all that. But if you spend Monday to Saturday and you never, ever utter a word of the Lord, if you never speak out what God says about you, you will not prosper. Because he says to Joshua, you will make your way successful and you will find great prosperity. You will do it. I've given you the word. You speak it and you will access strength like you've never had before. You will see through the lies of the enemy and you cannot be deceived when you're in the truth. You cannot be deceived. Did you hear me? You cannot be deceived when you're in the word. Be strong, Joshua. Feed on my word. Jeremiah 15, 16. Jeremiah said, I ate of the word of the Lord. And it made me strong. Made me strong on the inside. Made me strong. Thank you, Lord, for your strength today. And I feel that that's what God is doing. He is strengthening his church for the next onslaught. Not from the enemy, us on the enemy. Thank you, Lord, for great strength. Great strength. Great strength. He wants to defeat us, depress us, and decrease us. I talked about depression and joy last time I spoke But I want to talk to you about these worn-out clothes and shoes. Isn't it interesting that they come with worn-out clothes and shoes? But what happened to the clothes and shoes of Israel from Egypt to the Promised Land? They They never wore out. Don't you find that ironic? Oh, the enemy wants to steal your enormous inheritance. He's come to me on a regular basis and said, Andrew... Why don't, he calls me other things, why don't you just downsize your dream? Why don't you just go for something more reasonable? Has he done that to you? You know, you've got these big dreams. People think you're silly. (laughs) He wants to steal your enormous inheritance. I've heard the Lord say so clear clear to me, don't think small, think big. Somebody in the kingdom has to think big thoughts. The Lord said to me, he's looking for people that will think big. You will never get scolded in the kingdom for thinking outside the box and thinking big. The enemy wants to steal the enormous size of your inheritance. And he offers up these old clothes and these old shoes. And I will not stop believing for great things. What about you? What about you? What about you? We've been sold such a lie from the, from the enemy The church has bought this lie that we shouldn't prosper, we shouldn't increase. My friend, it's the biggest lie from the pit. God wants to prosper his people like he did to Joshua, like he did to Isaac, a hundredfold in one year because he wants to make us the head and not the tail. He wants to establish a beachhead of righteousness and justice for our city. And the church is crumbling many times under these lies that we are supposed to be small and insignificant and not break through, not lift our head up. He says in Deuteronomy 28, I'll make you the head and not the tail. He says, I will bless the works of your hands. I'll bless you coming in, and you're going out. I'll bless you in the land that I'm giving to you. Everything your hand touches, I will prosper. I will bless all of your storehouses. Yeah. Did you hear that? Yeah. Not one, storehouses. In the Garden of Eden, there were four rivers that flowed out. That's talking about multiple sources of provision and income. And the Lord God says, I will bless you in all of your storehouses. And because you're of the seed of Abraham, you are heirs according to the promise. And what's the promise he gave to Abraham? I will give you the nations. I will make you an inheritor of all of the earth. And I say to you, church, and everyone listening that the lie of the enemy is to keep the church in a defeated position, in a position where we are struggling to make ends meet, in selling chocolates and biscuits and cakes at raffles, and trying to conjure up ways to keep our head above water. And every time our head comes up, the church—sorry, uh, the, the media—wants to cut it off. But God says, "I've called you to prosper." And be successful. I've called you the head and not the tail. Above and not beneath. This is what I say about you. So we have to break the lie. We have to break deception. It's a lie. And for some of us, we have bought that life for so long that it looks and sounds so much like truth. And even when I preach this, there are, there, are, there are scriptures, so-called scriptures coming up, invalidating everything I say, experiences coming up. My friend, that's deception. When I was introduced to the pure gospel of grace, it made me sick yeah. physically. I could not believe it was so good. Yeah. And I've been preaching for years, and I heard a man preach the gospel of grace, and I walked away excited and sick at the same time. Yeah. And the sickness was that I had bought deception. For so long, I've been living under so much condemnation that I that I thought it was my prayers that 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 turned the hand of God towards me. That if I pleaded for forgiveness long enough, then one day He'd forgive me. That that I lived with so much regret. I never understood that I was righteous because of His. It wasn't about my works. It was deception. And week after week of teaching and thinking creates a deceived lifestyle that when the truth comes, it looks like a lie. And I'm here to tell you the same about blessing and inheritance and prosperity. It sounds too good to be true, but that's the heart of a good father, that he wants to bless you. Limited thinking comes from the root thought that you only have access to your own natural ability. Limited thinking comes from the root thought that you only have access to your, lim- to your limited ability. But limitless ability comes from the thinking that we have access to the power of God and all of his ability. Amen. He's dunamis, a power. He says, I give you the power, Deuteronomy 8.18, or the ability to create wealth. Limitless thinking says it's all up to me. I'm on my own. I've got to make it happen. It's called the Babylon system, the system of this world that says if you work hard enough, cheat enough, steal, toil, slave. But limitless thinking in the kingdom says I have access to the mind of Christ, to his favor, to his ability. He works on my behalf. Are you hearing this? Your job If you choose to take it is to increase your capacity to believe. His job is to do his mighty works through you. I'll say that again. Your job is to increase your capacity to believe. His job is to do his mighty works through you. You don't have to do the works. He says, the works I do is because of the Father. It's his works that that, that I'm doing, Jesus said. I do his work. I do what I see. See, Jesus had an amazing, supernatural, unlimited capacity to believe in the goodness of Father. So Father did his great works through him. Your job is just to believe. The enemy wants to deceive you, wants to offer you all these negative things. He wants to defeat us, depress us, decrease us. He wants to steal our strength, our joy, and our inheritance. And I have come here with a spiritual sledgehammer to crush every lie and deceptive work of the enemy. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I am waging war today on every lie that's been sown in your spirit. To steal your joy, to steal your inheritance, and to steal your strength. I say, you are strong. Did you hear that? I know this week the enemy has put thoughts and feelings on people of incredible weakness. And I speak against that in the spirit and I say you are strong. You are much stronger than you think. The spirit of the living God is in you and you are able to look at people and to push through. You are not going to be intimidated. You are not intimidated by people, by circumstances or by the future. You are strong. Some of you need to get in front of the mirror. Push your chest out and say, I am strong. Because Jesus lives in me. Let the weak say I'm strong. I have supernatural power. The Holy Ghost says he has quickened my mortal body. This body is the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. And I am incredibly strong. I will not flounder. I will not fall over. I will not give up. I will not be intimidated. I will not look back because I am filled with his strength. He wants to depress us, but I am filled with supernatural joy. Some, have, some people have chosen misery and pain as a lifestyle. The enemy has deceived you. He's actually said to some of you, "You can 't expect to be happy all the time." It's okay to have whole days, all weeks of feeling sad. Let me just burst that bubble of deception. it's not true. Did you hear that? Heaven. Is full of joy. Well, that's heaven, Andrew. Yeah, but heaven is inside me now. Yeah. We pray, let your kingdom come except for joy. Because <laughs> I want to hold on to my misery. No, you just bought a lie that says you have to be sad all the time. We've all bought that lie at times, haven't we? But the joy of the Lord is our strength. See, it's connected to strength as well. I am filled with joy today. You are the happiest church in all the, in all the world. I look at you, you are filled with joy. I don't know if you can see what I see, but there's lots of joyful people here today because he is inside you and you've not bought the lie that says, you know what, I can only be happy if all my ducks are in a row. I can be happy without my ducks being in a row because the happy one's inside me. His joy is my strength. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross while the ducks weren't in a row there. Cross, nails, persecution, thorns in his head. Who for the joy that was set before him I wonder, here's a thought, if Jesus ever smiled on the cross. Could he see what was going to take place today? Oh, I know he carried the sin. I don't want to minimize that. But he was filled with joy. And that's one of the reasons he rose from the graves because hell couldn't stand such a happy person. (laughs) You're ruining our party. I'm sure Jesus awoke with a smile, and you're filled with that joy. He's not going to steal your joy today. I speak over your life today. You are filled with joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You're going to wake up happy, go to sleep happy. He's not going to rob you of your joy. Here's another one. The enemy says, you will be happy when... You'll be happy on holidays. You'll be happy when you get this or when you get that, when the kids are finally out of the house, when this. No, it's a lie. He's robbing you today of your joy. Yeah. I need joy now. Yeah. not Because you know what? You won't be happy when all those things come if you're not happy now. The joy of the Lord is right now, right now, right where you are. Yeah. And you know what you'll find? If you embrace joy as a lifestyle, some of those things will begin to change faster. We've all got to make that choice. There are days, I know this is hard to believe, that I wake up not feeling happy. But you've got to somehow during the day realign your mind and say, no, that's a lie. This is not true. Okay, Lord, three days I need to wait. That's right. I'm a new creation believer. This is how you want me to live. And he wants to decrease us. Defeat us, depress us, and decrease us. He wants to steal my inheritance. And I don't know about you where you're at, but he's been after my inheritance. He continually wants me to downsize what I believe for. But I'm saying to you today that you have an inheritance. Here's one. You will never own your own home. Just get used to it. Who said? Oh, but you don't know my circumstances. Well, that's true. But the widow with her son who was ready to make a last meal and die. She didn't have any way naturally out of her mess. But God sent a man, a prophet. And in one moment, everything changed. Oh, but no, no. Jesus Christ, same yesterday, today, and forever. He wants to steal. See, if you have a mindset that says, I will never have, guess what? Your words are more powerful than God's words. They, they actually counsel everything that God has said. The enemy wants to steal your inheritance. And I say, die, put one foot in the grave saying, blow you, I will believe. I will die in faith, believing for the promises of God. We are those who believe. We are the believers. Did you hear me? We are called believers. Why? Because we believe. We believe in God's goodness, his favor. We have a hope for our life. So I say to you, don't stop believing. Don't stop reaching for the things that God has put in your heart. Don't stop reaching out for your inheritance because it's yours. And he has no right to steal it because he's a deceiver. And we've just exposed three things that he does today. And I've given you hope today that God is working for you. He's not going to leave you. He's going to strengthen you, fill you with joy, And give you a great inheritance. So why don't you lift your hands up as we finish today. Father, we receive that by faith today. In the name of Jesus, we receive your strength, your joy, and the fullness of your inheritance for our life. We reach out with great faith. We access that right now. We, We say, yes, Lord. And we break every deceptive lie and work of the enemy. I cut it down now at the roots. I curse it at the roots. And I speak into your spirit, fresh life. The seed of the Lord that's been sown today is going to grow and prosper in your world. We uproot every lie, every deceptive word, every untruth. Every circumstance that the enemy has manipulated to look like it's true. And I say, you have eyes to see what the Father sees. You have strength, joy, and a great inheritance. So I bless you now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I release upon you supernatural ability this week. Wherever you go, in the north, the south, the east, the west... Wherever you are positioned this week, you carry the kingdom. You carry his strength, his joy, his provision. He is with you so you can be strong and be full of courage because he says, I will never leave you or forsake you. You don't go in your own ability. You go with the ability of God this week. So be God conscious this week for he is with you and he shall never leave you. And even when the enemy pushes back, do not be discouraged because he says, I shall not leave you or forsake you. And you will get the victory in Jesus' name. So I bless you. Go forth in great joy and peace.